0: Welcome in to the second ever podcast uh, episode of Off Grid Pros. Probably could say Off Grid Pros episode two. Today we're going to be talking all about the the basics of solar. So that covers anything from solar panels to inverters to charge controllers. A little bit about batteries. Uh, we covered that last episode so we're just going to touch on it a little bit we'll not go so much in in depth about that but today we're gonna we're gonna cover all those different areas of basically going going into solar so last week like i said we covered everything there is to know in a basic form about batteries. so if you haven't checked that out go ahead and go listen to that or if you want to finish this one and go go check out our battery episode that would be great but thanks for joining us today um so a little bit uh about us if you did not catch last week again my name is jonathan um i am the coo of this here business off-grid pros and then we also have ryan say hi to the folks ryan hello yep there's ryan and then we have Yeah. yellow who is also named Ryan, but he's the lesser of of the two. So we decided to stick with just the last name for him. So (laughs) I'm still going to push. I'm going to say that at the beginning of every episode. (laughs) And I'm going to continue to push that we should refer
1: to me as the Kenele. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and we
0: will always stick with just Keneally. Um <laughs> so how do we know each other again Ryan is the owner of our solar installation company here in Flagstaff Arizona and we decided that we wanted to um, start this new company but he he's the owner of that company called Prometheus Solar and then um, I am the director of marketing for that and Keneally is a project manager on the grid tied side of the business but has experience in batteries so we decided to open this up this new company about off-grid pros just just talking about everything there is to know about off-grid and and really diving in on how to make it a reality as opposed to looking at it as some some daunting task so with that said we're going to jump into our first uh, segment here which is our interesting fact segment we've got two of them here today and the first one i i'm going to butcher this name so hard the f- first one is is in 1839 alexander edmund bech Beck Curiel, Can you guys say Beck that? you say that? It's like Beck Squirrel. Um, That's discovered. probably one
1: of those ones where like the last four letters are yeah.
0: silent. All right. So Alexander Edmund Becky uh, <laughs> discovered <laughs> the vol- photovoltaic effect. That is the ability to create an electric current from the sun's rays. Shortly after, Russell Oll? Invented the first solar panel cell in 1941. So this is honestly surprising to me, just because I didn't know how long solar had been around for. Hey, puppy. <laughs> so, like, so nice, Canalee. <laughs> nice. <Kenaley>. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Skylar.
1: Skylar, you could have been on the episode. You should have just asked, baby girl. You shut up now. Sure. The UPS guy's not
0: that scary. <laughs> so so like Solar has been around. Uh, the idea of solar has been around since 1940s, roughly. And so that was v- super surprising to me. But um, yeah, so I, honestly, I didn't really know a, a ton about a solar before going into Prometheus, and now um, it's just really it's, it's it's cool to know that it's been around for a lot longer than just you know the last 30, 40 years or so. How did but, you, how did he figure that out? I don't know. How do you, I don't know how anybody figured out anything honestly how did we get to where we are from rocks and dirt it doesn't make any sense how do you go from that to building a, a cell phone and computer and stuff if you guys know feel free to feel free to chime in nope cool. nope
2: nope <laughs>
0: <laughs> do not well he did it and we're all proud um, because it gave us the money we have today so that's the 1st one. Second one second one I posted this on our Prometheus Facebook uh, a couple weeks ago because I thought it was super interesting because people I, – I, I speak to people today and they say, I don't understand why why solar has to be so expensive. I don't think they have any idea about the second fact, which is solar panel costs have dropped 99% since 1977. I don't – that seems absurd to me. So like – if we're installing, you know, a standard grid-tied system, it costs somebody—I don't know, what twenty twenty grand or twenty so. thousand dollars. Imagine that ninety-nine times more expensive. I is can't it, math, so I don't.
1: What is that? A yeah, billion that, dollars? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's at least
0: one billion dollars <laughs> for a, a fifteen-hundred-square-foot house.
1: <laughs> I don't that never. Is, that's that. That investment would never work out. Yeah, no. it's just
0: absurd. But now it's like it like I said, it's 99% cheaper than what it was in 1977. So I that is obviously just re- related to like the solar s- part of solar, not to say like the batteries or or inverters and stuff like that, but the solar aspect of solar has dropped 99% since 1977. So, so that's like panels, cool. panels? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. So I know like batteries, obviously, chemistry is always changing and, and constantly developing. So we talked about this last week how lithium is is not the cheapest option, and we don't really see that decreasing a ton over the next few years. But in terms of the solar part of a solar array, especially for an off-grid system, it's dropped considerably. I mean, so- I
1: wonder I wonder if that has to has somewhat to do with the resources are not necessarily as as finite for for lithium for example is very finite resource the 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 raw materials to make a solar panel you know i can't imagine that that those are very finite i mean what are we looking at some silver some glass what's in there
2: some copper silicon and uh i mean there's there's quite a few different types but uh boron and phosphorus, um, you know, no, nothing crazy like lithium, um, it, but it's just more just economies of scale and and manufacturers getting better at, at um, producing these and that kind of thing. So, yeah,
0: I I dig it. I mean, that saves us money, saves customer money. So, I, I you know,
1: a little caveat to that. I remember. I worked. Uh, I worked at Sears in a, back in the day, like 2006, and right when plasmas came out and the first LCDs came out, LCD TVs. And um, if I remember correctly, there was a like a 32 inch Sony LCD that was going for like three thousand dollars. Whereas today, I think you could probably just find one behind a building somewhere.
0: (laughs) Literally, I remember when I first started college, I was like, I'm going to get a flat screen. I'm going to have a cool room, all this kind of stuff. And I remember just like a like a 32 inch TV, like nothing, nothing fancy was close to a thousand dollars. And I was like, this is absurd. And now you can go and buy a. 55 inch 4K, all that kind of stuff for 400 bucks. About
1: 400 bucks, which is you just described my TV. I think I picked it, one up at yeah. Sam's Club for like 400 yep. bucks. And Same like 50, 58 inch or something like that. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. I hate it. It's a smart TV, but it's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, solar power. Uh, <laughs> we're going to jump right into today's topic so like i said everything today is about the basics of going solar so the different components we're going to be looking at are the solar panels uh, inverters charge controllers and just a tiny bit about batteries if you want to learn more about batteries again our last week's episode was all about the basics of batteries so you can definitely go check that out we'll cover we'll cover a little bit about today. so first let's talk about the the components of a solar array when it comes to grid tied versus off grid or, or the RV style. Um, do either of you want to want to jump in about that?
2: Uh, yeah, I can I can talk about that. So um, most people are probably used to seeing grid tied solar. You know your your neighbors around town that kind of thing might have uh, solar panels on the roof. That typically just uh, consists of solar panels. Mm-hmm and an inverter um there's in you know most of those systems you do not have batteries so solar panels just feed the inverter inverter converts from dc like a typically a high high or low voltage dc into grid power um ac grid power like 120 volts 240 volts but for off-grid systems, um, it works a little bit differently. So you've got the the solar panels, which um, basically just charge batteries. Um, that's the easiest way to think of it. They that their sole purpose is to recharge batteries. Um, in between the solar panels and the batteries, you have a solar charge controller, which its main focus is to um, just prevent the batteries from overcharging and also to, to charge as efficiently as possible. Um, and then from there um, you've got an inverter, which, which basically pulls power um, DC um, from the batteries, converts that to AC, either 120, 120 or 240 volts for your house. Um, so those are the the basic components. And a lot of people get that kind of, confused with, um, with grid tie and, um, thinking that you don't, you know, don't necessarily need batteries for off grid, that kind of thing, but, or, or you have to have batteries for grid tie. Um, but there's definitely a, a big difference between those two, two systems. So,
0: yeah. And so going into the basics of solar, I, at one point, of our events here in Flagstaff, I had a, a kid just walk up to me and sit. I think it was probably one of my first events was with Prometheus. So it was like two months in and he's just like, how does the solar panel work? And I said, crap. <laughs> I, had I, had said, a, I had a similar. Yeah.
1: I, I remember yeah. when a, a four or five year old kid at my, my last company, the battery company I worked for, uh, he asked me straight up his mom was buying a car battery and he was like how do batteries work and I was like magic I had totally stumped <laughs> me I had no idea I didn't know how the the actual chemical reaction
2: works
0: yeah but, but the good thing is before the podcast started we told Ryan he had to explain to everybody <laughs> how they work so yeah Ryan how, uh, how do uh,
1: solar panels work is it magic because I'm pretty sure it's magic it's magic. That's it. Yeah, I knew it. All right, next topic. Yeah, I next knew topic. It.
2: Um, all right, so so it's it's pretty complicated, but I'll do the real quick version. So you've got the most common panel is a silicon panel. Um, you have um, two layers of silicon. One is like doped with boron. One might be built with phosphorus. And so what that does is you have a negatively charged. Um, layer and a positively charged layer, and then you put those two together. Um, it creates this little boundary, and you put that those two layers together out into the sun. The photons from the sun basically knock loose one of the electrons um, from one of the layers. It crosses that boundary, and it really wants to get back to the other side, and so. What you can do is basically take a wire and bring it to the other side and the electron is forced to flow through that wire to get back to the other side. So if you put that on the sun, it's just a continual process, right? Uh, Photons are knocking electrons across the boundary. It wants to get back to the other side and it goes through the wire and the flow of electrons through a wire is basically electricity. So.
1: So without that wire, we're not collecting any of that energy.
2: Yeah, so if we, you know, uh, we put solar panels up on a roof and we don't actually connect it to anything, um, nothing, nothing's actually happening. So, yeah.
1: that yeah. is really interesting. Did you say one of the components was boring?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Boron. Oh. It is pretty. It is pretty boring. <laughs> so
0: when when people are shopping for panels, so a customer like that we would have for a small off-grid system or or an RV system, they're going to run into a couple of options of, of panels, and those are going to be monocrystalline versus polycrystalline. And I don't think pe- many people know the difference between a monocrystalline and polycrystalline panel or which one's going to be more efficient. So I will... I would kick it over to Keneally, but I think probably Ryan, again, is going to be the better answer. Don't kick manager. it to me. <laughs> don't. All right, Keneally, tell us the difference between a monocrystalline and a monocrystalline. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I buy it. the. I think I
1: buy the mono one mostly. I'm not really – or I could – I don't know. I just buy things well, sometimes. Well,
0: generally on a, like a, a grid-tied system, I would say most of the time we're going to install a monocrystalline panel. I don't think – unless a customer is admit that they want to save a few extra bucks – going to go with a a polycrystalline panel
2: so yeah all right well so so this is something that's kind of always annoyed me because like people get caught up on this and it really doesn't matter it's like (laughs) it just it really doesn't matter um monocrystalline is a little bit more efficient it um and it's just in the way that they manufacture the silicon cells right um um poly has you know multiple crystalline structure, uh, mono, a mono, um, cell is, is grown from one single ingot. And, and, and basically that is the main difference. Mono is a little bit more efficient and, um, and most of our panels today that we actually are installing because manufacturers are wanting to try to get squeeze as many Watts as they possibly can into a panel so that they can sell it for a little bit higher price. Um, you know, they're going to go with mono and, and they're going to, there was a time, you know, when I was first getting started, uh, in solar back in, you know, 2006 up until maybe 2015, I would say, um, poly was a lot more prevalent just because they were able to produce it for a lot more cheap, a a lot cheaper. And, um, And, but now the, the, it's basically mono unless you are going to, you know, lesser efficient, lower cost, um, panels. So the, uh,
1: the the cost that you mentioned is, is actually a a pretty, uh, fun fact that I think I can interject with it. Um, what I found most interesting when I stepped into the solar world was, um, one of the things I found most interesting interesting was the the panels are actually priced in the industry per watt. So when you buy when you buy a panel, um, you're you're looking for the price per watt, which could be sixty three cents per watt, or you're paying fifty cents, whatever the case may be. Uh, but for whatever reason, the industry standard is that they are priced per watt. So um, thought that would just be an interesting fact to interject with
2: yeah and that was always the thing that kind of annoyed me is people were all hung up on getting the most efficient panel but really what you should be concerned with is getting the most you know the best cost per watt and it it might you know if it's a little less efficient of a panel it might take a slightly larger space on your roof but for most people that doesn't matter if it takes a couple extra square feet on your roof, who cares? Um, A watt is a watt from these things. Um, So I would say I wouldn't get hung up on this mono versus poly, but I would, I would look at price per watt.
1: Yeah. That that is interesting because like at the end of the day with solar um, off grid specifically, you, you know, you're just trying to create your own power source, right? So at it just comes down to how much you're going to get out of the money you've put into it. It's an investment at the end of the day. Same with uh, grid-tied systems. Uh, in addition to just going renewable energy just because it's better for the planet, it's also good for the wallet from an investment standpoint because if, if you get a good enough price per watt for your entire system – it will pay itself off in the form of energy over a set amount of time.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I guess uh, specifically more towards the type of customers that we will have for, for off-grid pros, <clears throat> they'll be looking at obviously the, the monocrystalline and polycrystalline because that'll be options that they'll see, but they'll also see a difference between rigid panels and flexible panels. So I know one of the companies that the will most likely be working with is, is energy. So energy tech, they have the energy flex unit that's coming out. They've been offering the apex, but the two options that they offer, it's, it's monocrystalline panel either way, but they have 100 watt rigid panels and a 100 watt flexible panel. And the flexible panel is actually about a hundred dollars more than the rigid panel is, do you, do you guys have like a preference, or, or or do you think one is is better than the other, or is it better to go the cheaper option with the rigid and and just stick with that?
2: It really just depends on your application. Um, flexible panels are going to be um, a little bit less efficient. Um, so if you have an air, if you have a limited amount of space, like on your RV or something, um you know, and then you might want to consider a, um, you know, a rigid panel because you're going to be able to get more watts per square foot. Um, the, um, sorry, that's my dog now. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but uh, so you might choose a flexible panel because you're needing to move it around a lot. And, um, and so you would, you, you're afraid of damaging you know, a, a rigid panel that might have glass on it. Yeah. So you, you would want to consider, um, you know, flexible, flexible panel in that case. So, yeah. so but it's so really for, just for the, for the
1: like me, when you say flexible panel,
0: you literally mean like it can it, move. So and it it, can move and,
2: move and bend. Some and people
0: yeah. try to test is that it like flexes, uh, like all the way, like, you know, and like
1: that a customer one, that buys it and says, I'm going to bend it in half and see when it yeah. breaks. And then yeah, like a 180, they
2: it, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it, flexible. It, my it's, it's, it's like it's like a it's like a 30 degree flex. Um, so it's like it, it's meant to go over the curve of of your your roof or some people put them on the hood of their, of their van. If they're trying to maximize the space on their vehicle with solar panels, I've seen them on people's hoods or like right above their, what do you call it? Their are uh, right over the windshield, uh, just maximizing as much space as possible. And so it just, it just helps with that kind of curve of the roof of whatever vehicle you're putting it on. So, so like the same
1: panel that's in that Renergy backpack that I bought.
0: Same, same idea. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's that would be a flexible panel.
0: Yeah. So it looks identical. It's just, it's flexible. And then most of them will have like a a sticky material on the back to an adhesive to keep it to stuck to the, to the roof of the vehicle. And then it'll actually have, some will have grommets as well. So if you want to double enforce it and tie it up to uh, some mounting system on your roof, you can do that too. So. There's a couple different options. But, yeah, that's kind of the difference between those, those two. Um, so I guess at this point, we already, we already talked a little bit about the different components of the off-grid system uh, that you need, the, the charge controller versus, you know, a grid-tied system and, and batteries, all that kind of stuff. So let's go ahead and jump into inverters. So another option that people will have when it comes to an inverter, is an inverter versus an inverter charger and an inverter charge is going to be it's definitely going to be more expensive. So, can you tell us Ryan what what the difference is between these two and why an inverter or an inverter charger might be better for somebody's system? Yeah, so uh, like it's RVs for trailers.
2: Right, right. So, um, you know, an inverter is just going to take power from the batteries and, you know, DC convert it to AC for- for, for your outlets, right? For your standard. And so why isn't it 120%. called a converter? Um. So uh, <laughs> a converter is actually the opposite. A converter will take 120 volts AC and convert it down to DC. Um, and an inverter is just the opposite of that. It takes it from in DC, DC cool. and goes to AC. So the,
1: the literal difference between the two is a converter turns ac into dc and an inverter turns dc into ac
2: that's yes okay and i don't know somebody who's more a little more technical than me might argue that point but that's the way i've always uh, have differentiated the two um uh and an inverter charger um for most people living off grid it's it's going to make sense most of the time to have an inverter charger because what that means is you can use an AC source with it um, uh, like a generator for most people, and you would be able to charge your batteries with your generator. So it acts um, almost like a converter, taking your generator AC and um, and then charging your batteries at you know, 12, 24, or 48 volts. So um, a lot of people... I've seen tons of people that just don't realize that that's what's what's going on and so they'll have a inverter, just a basic mm-hmm. inverter and then they realize they want to be able to charge their batteries with a generator so they have to go out and buy a battery charger, basically a converter and a separate one, but you can get that in one unit and it's a lot more efficient. Um mm-hmm. those chargers can put a lot, a lot more amps than like something you could buy at, at a auto parts store. So,
0: yeah. And would that work the same with with somebody hooked up to shore power?
2: That is correct. So you, it it doesn't have to be a generator. It can be any AC source. It could be the grid, um, or it could be a, you know, or it could be a generator. Obviously,
0: yeah, cool. And then uh, I think most of the a good amount of the stuff that we'll probably offer is going to be pure sine wave inverters. And I know in solar power stations um that will that's a a topic we'll cover next time but these solar power stations they also have inverters built into them and of i guess every single time now they're going to be pure sine wave and instead of the modified sine wave um so what what would be the main difference between these and why is pure sine wave going to be better than modified
2: so, so pure sine wave is gonna put out um, electricity that is the easiest way to explain it is it's as clean as like grid power would be, right and so um a a modified sine wave inverter is uh a little bit cheaper to produce, and so it doesn't produce as clean a power that's that's basically it and so if you wanna if you need to save a little bit of money, you might go with modified sine wave uh, but you lose efficiency. Um, when you're running your devices with a modified sine wave and, and also things like motors can run a little bit hotter and that, that kind of thing. So the general rule of thumb that I, that I tell most people is if, if you're going to try to run a refrigerator on your system, then I'd highly encourage you to get a pure sine wave inverter. Um, if you're going to use this in an RV, modified sine wave is going to be just fine. Uh, unless you're trying to run some like high end electronics or something like that. But um, if you so yeah, if you want to use a refrigerator or maybe some high end like washer dryers um, appliances like that, they they might be a little bit more sensitive to sine wave uh, to the sine wave. Um, you know, with with those systems, go pure. If it's an RV, you're probably fine with with modified sine wave. And if it's a really basic off grid home that doesn't have a refrigerator, then you, you can probably get by with modified as well.
0: So yeah, and then. Uh, right before we cut to a break here, um, what what's going to be the maybe calculation or just the general thought process of, of of sizing their their inverter specifically as to their batteries that they have.
2: So so really, it's just a matter of thinking about all of the things you might want to be running at one time. That that yeah. is the bottom line. You you think okay, I'm going to have my TV on. I'm going to have some lights on. I might want to run the microwave. So you look at the watts on those, each of those appliances, you add those up, and you try to you try to have an inverter that is large enough to handle that. So yeah. Well, I think that's really a
0: big thing that, that people have to think about when they do off-grid, even if it's just you know like a weekend thing, like in R V or or whatever. It's just making sure that you're aware of the power that you're using and specifically what you're using at one time because i think people don't necessarily have that thought process when you live in a house that's connected to the grid is i can have all my lights on in my house i can have a fan i can have a tv i can have my fridge i can have everything going at once and nothing's going to happen because i'm connected to to the grid but once you're off grid you're relying on these batteries and however much solar you have is what you have to work with that's feeding into these batteries and it's 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 a whole new thought process it's just being completely conscious of the the power that you're using and what you're using all at one time. Yeah, and
1: and another thing too is a lot of people like to try to do this balancing act between like, let me see what the, you know, whatever watts my coffee pot uses versus my TV or this one fan or – and they try to calculate exactly how much solar – and how much battery power I need to 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 achieve this this balancing act that they're they're trying to get to, but um, the 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 easiest, the simplest way to look at it, especially in the RV world, um, I know I've gotten questions in the past of how much solar should I put on my RV, and you know the answer is as much as you can. Like you can't have enough solar, you can't have too much solar right? You can have an unnecessary amount, but as long as your charge controller is working proper, properly, you can't, you can't have too much going into it because it'll stop. It'll stop taking the charge when it needs to stop taking it. So uh, a lot of people make that mistake of, of, I need this exact amount of wattage in panels on, in my RV or on my RV to compensate for, for the battery bank. And that's just not the case. Um, the big mistake people make is they'll oversize their battery thinking that that's the important part. But if you don't have enough charge coming in from the solar, then you run into a situation where you're sort of putting five miles into the tank as, as you're, as you're driving 10. And eventually they end up with dead batteries and they think that the problem almost all the time, they will, blame the batteries for being the problem and it's not the batteries it's the the charge that's that's going into it
0: yeah Yeah. so just a whole new way of thinking just making sure you're aware of of what your system can do so with that we're going to take a little break and then we'll be back uh, talking about charge controllers (laughs) and welcome back okay so like i said we are going to cover charge controllers now and a little bit about batteries but like i said previously last week was all about batteries so if you want to know more definitely go check that episode out but to speak a little bit about charge controllers first we're going to talk about what amperage or what size charge controller in general that you're going to need based on your specific system because like we said a grid type system isn't going to require a charge controller um, generally unless you have battery backup but whole other topic but in terms of a small off-grid system or an rv system you're going to need a charge controller and you're going to need to know how to size it so ryan do you have any recommendations of how people can go about figuring that out
2: Yeah. So most of your charge controller manufacturers, are going to list, you know, how many Watts or how many amps they they can actually handle. And so what I would say is if you're like, if you're working with a really basic small system where you've just got a panel or two, um, most of the time you're going to be using a a very simple charge controller that, um, you can look at your solar panel and, uh, that solar panel will have what is called the short circuit current. It's going to be ISE. And, um, you will want to make sure that that um, that the combination of the short circuit currents between like your you know one or two panels uh, does not exceed the amperage rating of the charge controller. Um, so that's for like really basic small systems. But if you start stepping up into larger systems where you might have you know more than a few hundred watts, it's gonna be it's gonna make sense for you to get a maximum power point tracking controller. That's MPPT, and you're gonna see. You're to see that on a lot of these different charge controllers. And um, it's from an efficiency standpoint, it's really going to make sense for you to do that if you get into any s- decent sized system. Um, and, and all of those are going to be rated in watts, right? So if you got a, a, a MPPT charge controller that's rated for a thousand watts, you can put up to a thousand watts of solar panels on it, and that's really the the easiest way to to size those. Um, there's some voltage considerations and that kind of thing, but that's really um, probably a little bit too much for for this episode. Um, but you can always you know talk to your salesperson and find out you know talk to them about the solar panels you're planning to use, and they can make a good recommendation on the the, the size and the configuration of the panels.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good to note because, um, so we, uh, like we discussed last week, we are in, I guess, building this company. We are not just this podcast. The idea is to create a website that offers all these different products. So within that website, we are going to be offering charge controllers or even solar panels and solar kits that are pre assembled solar kits that'll automatically come with a charge controller that is rated for the size of the kit that you want to get so if you do have any questions about how to size your system or what charge controller to, would work best or how many panels do you need anything like that you can shoot us an email at info at shopoffgrid.com. i know last week last episode we were we were still using the off grid pros at gmail.com back in the old days but now we have officially switched over to <laughs> <laughs> it was like three days ago we recorded that. Uh, <laughs> you could send us an email at info at shopoffgrid.com and that'll be a good place just to just to get in contact with us and like I said, figure out what's gonna be best for you and what what the specs are on this system that you might need. So Yeah, and finish. that's the best place where you can reach the canally just so you're aware.
1: Yeah. If you want to actually yeah. talk to.
0: Yeah. We are the, Ken we are daily. the people that are actually going to be responding. We, we're, it's not going to be some rant, random person. So no. you'll get to talk to the famous people. It's we did exciting. just get an
1: intern today though. So
0: <laughs> yeah, we might maybe we'll have him send an email. <laughs> <laughs> He'll weed out the, the good ones and bad ones. Um, okay. So the next thing is, are there situations where somebody doesn't necessarily need a charge controller? For a small off-grid system, and I, I, it's it's silly because, like I said, we, pe- people don't use that for a grid-tied system, so they might not even know what a charge controller is until, I guess, even listening to this to this podcast or doing their own research. So, is there a situation that somebody doesn't need that?
2: Uh, the short answer is no. Like okay, I okay. would I would always recommend one. Uh, if you're you have a five-watt solar panel or ten-watt solar panel, uh, maybe not you know but you need a charge controller that's the yeah. bottom line
1: yeah and what, like, what could happen what could happen if you don't have one if it, it it's just taking putting too much power into the too much charge into the battery
2: what happens yeah, yeah so it can it can overcharge your battery and ruin your battery shorten its lifespan um you know it can start potentially, you know, in certain situations, it could maybe even start a fire, you know, something, something like that. If a battery gets too hot and um, it, batteries can explode, Keneally, you know that oh, <laughs> experience yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they do explode and, and they're uh, loud. And, and the other thing is like, if you don't have a charge controller on it, the most, so charge controllers also have um, these things called diodes that prevent the batteries from actually feeding into the solar panels and wasting power. So, um, you know, it's another reason why you know, even in a most basic system, it's worth the thirty dollars or whatever it is for just a tiny, yeah. slow charge controller. Um, for that, the, the peace of mind, right? the, yeah. the peace of mind.
0: Yeah, because I know. I know. I, speaking about all these different components, we we know that some things like like batteries, like lithium batteries, are going to be pretty expensive, but looking at specifically charge controllers, you can get one as cheap as like you said, 20, 30 bucks. So on those on those really small systems. Um, obviously the more the more you build your system, the bigger charge controller you're gonna need. But it's it's definitely a good idea to always have that. And then the last little part about charge controllers is I have gotten this question before a few times, most from mostly from customers that have a charge controller and then they are given another one somebody gives them another one and so then they're like can i just use both of them do i need both of them what if what if i'm growing my system and i just want to you know increase my amperage of my charge controller but use two of them instead of buying an, a new one is that can somebody ever use two of them at once
2: yeah we have we have systems that have you know eight different charge controllers so um it is it is very common to use multiple charge controllers charge controllers will operate independently they they don't look at each other they just look at the battery they see the condition of the battery and they're gonna charge if if the battery is needs additional charge it'll it'll charge if it doesn't it'll stop and and that goes for all of the charge controllers that are connected to that same bank um now, you, you can oversize solar. Like, you can actually put too many solar panels on a, on a battery. Um, so, it's just one of those things where, you, based on your battery bank, you, you just need to make sure that um, you haven't exceeded the max amperage that uh, is allowed for that. And it, it's really uncommon to, ha- to have way too much solar for a battery. Um, it is possible um but and and in general more solar the better but it is possible to exceed um the amount of um of of amperage that is really good for a battery going into it and shorten its lifespan so just yeah,
1: yeah know, and that's uh, that's it's really anymore. important no it's really important to distinguish <laughs> like that's why i say you can't have too much solar but you can have an unnecessary amount uh because you like he what he's what he's saying is you can put too much power through the charge controller. And in fact, you could, um, I don't know the, the terminology, but you could uh, short the charge controller, for example, or the charge controller blows. And then now you're just forcing a bunch of power into a battery bank. So that that's why when I always say that blanket statement, I always include that little caveat of like, you can't have too much really. I mean, you'd have to be, You'd have to have a, a, a bunch, but you you can have an unnecessary amount. So that's why I always make that distinction. You can have an unnecessary amount, but in a in a certain situations, you definitely don't. You don't want to have a bank of eight golf cart batteries, and then put. Ten thousand watts so flowing there. towards it. That that's when you're reaching that unnecessary amount. You can harm it, but it's like um, yeah. you you don't want to do. You don't want to play the game where you're you're trying to time or you're trying to calculate exactly how many wattage of solar you need versus your battery bank. That's that's a good distinction to make for sure.
2: I agree. I agree.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, so I guess jumping back into the batteries a little bit, um just a just a quick little overview covering what we did in our last episode. What are what are people's options when it comes to batteries? Uh talk about that, Keneally.
1: Yeah, so like we talked about in the first episode, um the, the, the big the big three you'll hear a lot are lead acid, AGM, and and lithium. And the the, the main difference between them is the, the main difference that the, the end user needs to know is lead acid requires watering with distilled water or electrolyte. You have to maintain them. AGM is still technically a lead acid technology. It just uses absorbent glass mat, um, and they're maintenance-free and a little bit heavier. Uh, but, you you know, you're going to get the same lifespan out of them. You just don't have to worry about them off-gassing, and, um, and you don't have to maintain them. And then uh, lithium is also a maintenance-free technology it's light, much lighter weight but also much more expensive um, the only real problems you have with that one the, the main one to note is is that you have to make sure that the lithium batteries are uh, temperature controlled because if they go above or beyond their parameters they will just not work so that's your that's your basics of the yeah. battery
0: are there are there different lifespans of these batteries? yeah uh so lead acid
1: and AGM batteries in the in the solar world you you expect about five to seven years out of those ones um, if you get golf cart batteries, for example, which are still deep cycled batteries so you can use them for s- solar off-grid systems the problem is you have to maintain the crap out of them like you really have to pay attention to them best case you're looking at five years but more often than not in those situations you're going to get two to three years out of those um lithium is a tough one uh that we have we have there's certain companies out there that are offering really large warranties what are really long warranties what are those uh ryan what's uh some of them are like 15 years or something crazy like that
2: yeah so the, the standard lithium like lithium iron phosphate and um um, uh, like, a like a Tesla battery is going to be 10 years, but there's, uh, companies like blue planet, um, with the blue ion that has a 15 year warranty. So, um, you know, that, that's amazing. I do think that there's certainly potential for these batteries to last that long, if not way longer. Um, but you know, there is some risk there. Um, we, we don't really know. We don't have as much, nearly as much experience lifespan wise, um, as we do with lead acid batteries, we can pretty much tell you what a lead acid battery is going to last. So, um, so there is, there is a little bit of risk and, and, you know, if you do have an issue and a lot of these lithium companies are newer and, uh, if you have a warranty issue, it's only, you can only get helped if that company is still around. Right. That that would be my biggest
1: concern with a, that would be my biggest concern with a 15 year warranty, uh, is that the company may not be around in 15 years. Um I think I think still some of the safest bets here um speaking of lead acid technologies would probably be like a forklift battery or an industrial battery. Those um it's it's still lead acid and they need to be maintained but um they do tend to last more like 10 to 15 I think the oldest one, the oldest one I've ever seen, uh, as far as the date code goes, was uh, a little bit over 20 years. It had been at an off-grid location. Um, but again, they're heavy, really heavy, stupid. Exactly. got to maintain them. stupid, <laughs> yeah. heavy. They're 2,000 pounds, £2, sometimes're 3,000 pounds. But uh, for your money's worth, that, that seems to be your safest bet with longevity for now.
2: Yeah, for for yeah I would agree with that like an industrial uh, forklift battery and, and, but a lot of that depends on how much you're cycling it right so the, the ones that I've seen last 20 years are you know they're only discharging them 10 to 20 percent you know in a, in a day so that's not realistic for a lot of people but, yeah. um,
1: and then then yeah. one uh, one other little technology that uh, we didn't mention in the first episode but I'll oh, no. talk about now. Um, for a second, maybe we can do a whole episode on this one as new technologies. Uh, there's saltwater batteries mm-hmm. is an option.
0: Yeah. I uh
1: yeah well uh we can we can further that conversation but all right, for know, those you, who don't you for those who don't know it and you can tell us I know, a little, I know a little bit. I know a little bit about it. I know a little bit about the company that isn't around anymore.
0: Oh, perfect. Sounds <laughs> sounds worth investing in.
1: <laughs> but for those for the listeners that don't know, uh saltwater batteries do exist.
0: Okay. Well, we'll cover that in a in a new episode um so like i said if you guys want to learn uh, a lot more about batteries go ahead and go check out our first uh first episode um that'll this will be released a a week after the first one so go check that out um thanks so much for for tuning in and and next time we are going to be talking about solar power stations um sometimes they're referred to as solar generators but uh that, that's a little bit of a, a testy subject to, to some people. I know some people feel very passionate about the name of this product. So we're going to talk about solar power stations um, in our next episode. Um, so make sure to follow along at, at, on your favorite podcast listening platform and um, – Make sure you also visit our website, shopoffgrid.com, to find all the different products that we talked about today, whether that's solar panels, charge controllers, inverters, all that kind of good stuff. We're going to have as many products on there as possible for you to choose from, but we're also going to be there to answer any questions you might have about sizing this system. So if you do have any questions, or any suggestions for future episodes, feel free to shoot us an email at info at infoshopoffgrid.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. All of our social medias are going to be at offgridpros.com. That's offgridpros.com. So or I guess off grid pros. So if it's Facebook, just Facebook for Facebook.com forward slash off grid pros, all that kind of good stuff. So again Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to check out our first episode and uh, we will catch you next time.